I am Samuel Hansen, and you are listening to Strongly Connected Components, episode 14, from acmescience.com. My guest on today's episode is Sam Yagen, CEO and co-founder of the mathematically driven dating website OKCupid. Beyond just talking about how they managed to mathematically model real-world dating on the internet, we also discussed the perfect length of messages and how grammar is the equivalent of brushing your teeth. Here we go. This is Strongly Connected Components. My guest on today's episode is Sam Yagen, CEO and co-founder of OKCupid, as well as Harvard-trained mathematician. Hello, uh, Mr. Yagen. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Uh, it's, uh, it's a pleasure. I uh, am a big fan of uh, OKCupid itself. I've been using it for a little <laughs> while. I guess that's admitting a little bit more than I should in an interview, but uh, I, I think that it'll be okay. I know... One thing I want to talk about before we start uh, talking about that is you you did uh, get trained in mathematics in Harvard. What was uh, the impetus behind deciding to study mathematics for you? Uh, well, I was interested in a somewhat technical uh, field, um, and I started taking a lot of computer science classes, but was also really interested in economics and uh, enjoyed the economics classes I was taking. So. The math curriculum allowed me to uh, basically get credit for a lot of the stuff I was doing both in computer science and in economics, and so it was a it was a great opportunity for me to you know really feel like I was a got a really good technical background while still getting to study the other things I was interested in. Uh, before you uh, started OKCupid, you actually uh, were one of the co-founders of SparkNotes, correct? That's right. That's right. And so pretty much anyone who listens to this will probably have very fond memories of uh, the work that you did there. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what SparkNotes was and how you went from, uh, say, studying mathematics to deciding to creating an educational resource like that? Thank you. Uh, yeah, so we were pretty excited about, uh, this was back in 1999, about the web. And uh, my business partners and I were in college together, and we were looking for, you know, some exciting um, ideas to pursue. And it turns out that, you know, we had this other site called thespark.com, which was more of a, more of a humor site. But we, were, we wanted to put it together a product that was a little bit more uh, timeless. And so we looked around and we said, wow, we have all these smart people who would be capable of writing Spark notes or Cliff notes, and we were pretty unimpressed with the ClipsNotes web strategy, which was essentially non-existent. So um, we said, why don't we just try replicating our own set of SparkNotes and giving them away for free on the web? Well, I, I have to say that it uh, definitely saved me a couple of times during my undergrad career. Thank um, you. You're, <laughs> I appreciate the compliment. Now, uh, let's, let's uh, talk about your, uh, your current business, which is OkCupid. Now, uh, OkCupid is a bit geekier than uh, most people would typically aim uh, for a dating website when you're trying to create one. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't actually mean that in any sort of a negative way, but 
What sure. made you decide to emphasize so strongly the idea of, uh, you know, your algorithm and the way that uh, you guys decided to create OkCupid? Hmm. Well, ultimately, we were um, really disappointed with what we saw in the marketplace for dating. We thought first that dating should be, that people don't want to pay for dating, that it's a product that should be for free. We thought that going, that going to a dating site should feel more like going to a bar than going to a shrink. And of course, the eHarmony product really just makes you feel uh, lonely and depressed and like you're visiting your therapist. <laughs> and then finally, we thought that math was really the key to helping make that search uh, for a relationship as effective as possible. You know, obviously other people you know, pursue the notion that, oh, psychologists might know what's best for you. But we really believe that, uh, and I think most people believe that that's not the case. And we think that using data and math to help navigate that is the most most effective way to help you find the person you're looking for. Now, your algorithm is very different than, say, an eHarmony or a Match.com, which are just... uh, I mean, they're not mathematically very interesting. Uh, Can you give us a little bit of an idea of how you uh, set up your algorithm and the way that you feel that makes it work in a better way for people? Yeah. So we try to model the way dating works in the offline world. And so if one of your friends from college were to call you up and say that he had a great girl he wanted to set you up on a date with, No matter how much you trust him, you probably wouldn't just say no. You'd probably want to ask him questions and learn more about the person before you decide to go on a date. You're going to have a certain set of questions you want answered. I'm going to have a different set of questions that I want answered, although we're probably both interested in the questions that each other has chosen to ask. And so basically what we do is we simulate that question and answer, that conversation that you would have with a friend uh, about a prospective date online. And so, you know, the algorithm really has two parts. The first is the, the notion of having a question and answer model. And then the, fan- the fantasy math comes in, uh, you know, in the way that we take your questions to the answers, uh, your answers to the questions, and um, really effectively go through the database and figure out who the most compatible match is. With the questions themselves, uh, they are created by your users, actually. What made you decide to uh, let the users have that sort of control instead of defining at least some set of questions that you always want answered? Right. So this comes down to a fundamental belief that people are on dating sites not because they don't know what they're looking for, but because they don't meet enough people in the course of their day-to-day life. So, uh, you know, eHarmony, of course, takes the opposite approach, which is you're doing. You don't know what you're looking for, so you need us. We take the approach, uh, you know, I think quite the opposite, that you know what you're looking for. And so if each user knows what they're looking for, then it's, you know, an obvious decision that you have to put the control in the user's hands. The users know what they want. Why would we centralize the process of, of finding the date that would make that would be totally counterintuitive. Uh, one thing that you do over uh, at OKCuba and that I find to be very interesting, and it seems that the rest of the internet does as well, because you've been uh, put up at I mean on Boing Boing and Slashdot for uh, things like this, is that you do a lot of analysis of your uh, of your user base. Uh, you have a blog where you post uh, this analysis. I believe it's OK Trends. That's right. Okay, and uh, one of the one of the most interesting ones that uh, you have done with that is that you've done a lot with photo analysis. 
analysis mm-hmm. of which type of profile shots are going to be most effective. Now, how did you go about setting up an analysis of your user group? So the question was, you know, what's the best photo to use to maximize your chance of success on an online dating site? That was kind of the question uh, that we were trying to answer. And it turns out that lots of people have ideas about this. If, you, know, you can go read lots of blogs and lots of so-called experts who will tell you, oh, this is, you know, this is the right approach. And it turns out that those people, uh, some of them are right, some of them are wrong. Most of them are right some of the time and wrong some of the time. So I think the issue is we wanted to take an approach that was very data-driven. So we looked at, uh, we isolated 7,000 accounts. And of course, in order to do this, you have to really look at, uh, you have to really restrict yourselves to accounts that only have one picture, because if somebody has more than one picture uploaded, then you know, it's really hard to determine which picture has had the effect that you're, that you're capturing. So we, we chose 7,000 people who had one picture. Then we went through a manual process tagging all of those pictures on a bunch of different characteristics, like whether the person was, you know, had a pet in their picture, whether the person was smiling or not smiling, looking into the camera, looking away from the camera, whatever the case may be. And then we were able to do just, you know, very simple uh, but very powerful analysis, you know, where we basically looked at how many, sort of how many uh, messages the, the accounts associated with those pic- pictures got. And it turns out that the specific attributes of the picture you choose uh, adjusted for attractiveness. So, what, you know, we're, we, the, the, it was really important that we helped all people, you know, that had we were basically not, you know, not getting distracted by attractiveness. We were holding that constant. And it turns out that these specific attributes of your picture can have a huge impact on your success. Uh, when you went about this, what did you uh, find to be the most effective shots for men and women if they wanted to get a bunch of messages? Yeah, so you know, I think we, we had a we had we had several different conclusions. I think you know one of my favorites was that you know focus on authenticity in your picture. So you know the way that came out was a lot of these self portraits that were taken by someone's own cell phone or maybe even you know taken by a webcam, which you would normally think of as perhaps being a low quality picture that might not do well. Uh, it turns out actually did very well uh, and did a lot better than the glamour shot that you know you might have taken you know at a, at a professional photographer with your you know with your makeup all and hair all done up or something um, and I think you know what comes across there is when you're looking at profiles online you're not necessarily you know this isn't a model competition you're not looking for someone who's perfect you really want to get a sense for someone and get a feeling that this person is really there is authentic and is uh, you know really someone who you're gonna who you're gonna meet so. I think, you know, don't, don't stress out getting the perfect photo uh, that was taken in a very sort of stale and staged environment. Quite the opposite. Give someone a chance that they, you know, are really, give someone the feeling that they're really getting to know you, and that's going to be really powerful. You spend a lot of times looking at the messages and the, as you say, conversations that people have with uh, the photo analysis or some of the message analysis that you've done. Now, in what way do you mathematically model the conversation in order to uh, you know, find out whether it's a conversation or just a message. So, the key, the key, the key distinctions that we look at, you know, for a message is just, you know, is just a message. And I think, you know, what what that does is it's an important it's an important indicator of just you know overall demand, sort of at the at at, at the gross 
uh, top of the line level. If you're not getting anyone who's sending you messages, then you know you can't be having conversations with people almost by definition. So um, you know we start with conversations and think that that's a very high level way to gauge the success of your profile because you haven't you know it's not a result of you know your communication skills or anything like that. Um, then we look at conversations, which is basically a back and forth and back. So it, it, it has to be a, an exchange that involves not just a, a message and a reply, but also an account and a reply. So we're trying to get rid of all the people, all the conversations that basically are one person sending a message and then a quick, hey, I'm not interested in the reply. You know, we don't want that account. But we figure if, if the reply was itself worthy of a reply, then now you're getting into sort of the, the domain of what you can reasonably call a conversation. Okay. I'm sure that there's been plenty of this uh, data when you look at it that doesn't fit any sort of meaningful curve or any way of actually now analyzing. As a matter of fact, on one of the blog posts, that there was a comment about diabolically meaningless scatter plots, and I was I was wondering uh, what which one of the analyses ended up giving you the really the least use, useful data, the one that really just made it the hardest to try to get any sort of meaning from your analysis? Well, we, we, kind, of, we kind of circumvent that. So if, if, we, if we find, you know, an angle of inquiry that's not leading us anywhere, uh, you know, we pretty much let that go. So certainly by the time something actually gets onto our site, so any of the stuff that you're actually going to have seen, you know, we probably think is, is worth looking at. There's countless streams of, of, of thought that we've gone down ourselves uh, internally and then finally have to say, you know what, this just isn't working. So, um, and sometimes, you know, it can take an entire day kind of coming up with a question, proposing an experiment, crunching the numbers, and then it turns out at the end that it just wasn't that interesting. So I think all the stuff that's made it to the blog is, um, is, is you know, pretty interesting. I, one, one other analysis that you did that was uh, very interesting to me because it kind of jumps in the face of some of the conventions that people have about people on the internet is uh, your analysis of messages themselves and specifically yep. your analysis that said that people do actually like grammar yep. as I was wondering if you'd go a little bit into uh, what you found as far as grammar and as far as messages yeah so Whenever I'm talking about online dating, I first try to think about offline dating because I really believe that there is a pretty strong parallel that online dating isn't a radically new way to date. It's just using a different medium to date. So if you think about when you go to a bar or when you go to a party or when you go somewhere where you expect to meet someone that you might be romantically interested in, um, there are, there are some basic things that you do to make sure you're putting your best foot forward. That might include um, taking a shower. That might include brushing your teeth. That might include cutting your fingernails. You want to do these, these, these things that kind of make your, that first impression uh, really strong and at least as good as possible. So I think what we see here in many cases is um, that, that that first message has a lot of those same effects. You want to be... Um, you want to be putting your best foot forward in the same way. So what we see is grammar is kind of the equivalent of brushing your teeth online. If you can't, you know, find a way to put together a decent uh, sentence, then you, you, know, you have to resort immediately to sort of, you know, web speak or, or you know, any of these 
common abbreviations, then that's the equivalent of not bothering to, to brush your hair before you go out to a bar. It just totally gives someone the wrong impression that you're not serious, that you're not well put together, and you know, they're just going to talk to somebody else. Well, there was a, another part of that analysis that showed that you can also be a little bit too much together, uh, specifically uh, that the length of a first message, anything that's over 360 words will scare people? Right. So again, I, that to me is, is a direct uh, analogy to the offline, to, to a bar. Imagine if you walked up to a girl and you're trying to, you know, start to have a conversation with her and you just start talking and talking and talking and talking and you go on for four minutes. That girl is going to have turned away and gone on to do something else long, long before. So, you know, again, you don't want to talk someone's ear off at a bar. You don't want to talk someone's ear off um, in this environment either. You want to give someone just enough. You want that first pickup line to be short, concise. You want it to be interesting enough that the person uh, wants to reply, but not, you know, so long that, uh, you know, the people get bored and, and uninterested. Well, uh, that does explain some of the issues that I have uh, trying to talk to girls then. Ah. Uh, well, I want to thank you so much uh, for giving me this time. And if anyone wants to know exactly how they can uh, go about online day, make sure to go check out the blog at OKCupid and go use the site too. And uh, thank, you so <laughs> thank you so much, Sammy, again. Thanks so much. I enjoyed it.